there be dragons? Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of Not Just Tentacles, where I, Rachel, attempt to demystify anime. And I try to do a podcast when I have a sore throat and there's frigging bells in the background. (laughs) Yeah, it's Monday, but it is the only time I can do it this week, so I don't really have a whole lot of choice in the matter. Today, I'm going to do something that I haven't tried before. I'm going to do a double bill because the two programmes I'm reviewing today, they are joined by a common theme, and that is dragons. Because as I mentioned in the um, Dragon Goes House Hunting podcast, I am absolutely obsessed with dragons. uh, My handle back in the day used to be Pendragon. I had an imaginary dragon friend as a kid and I collect dragony stuff. So, okay, now that I've established my dragon credentials... It's worth mentioning that should I see an anime that features a dragon in some way, it automatically gets bumped to the top of my list. And this is why the two anime that I'm discussing today came to my notice. But unfortunately, I don't think it's too big a spoiler to say, unfortunately, um, neither of them cut the mustard. In fact, both of them are problematic to say the least and um, I've been wanting to talk about Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid for some time now but I didn't reason Ruth would be into it for reasons that I will divulge well I'm not into it either but I could just imagine her pained horror when I touched upon certain elements so yeah Miss Kobayashi will be the first one It came to my notice when I was going through YouTube, minding my own business, and you had a lady complaining that her kid had read it in the school library. And I really don't know why it was in the school library. Maybe they don't bother to check books nowadays, but there you go. And I just thought it was like, oh, this is your typical ignorant parent who goes, oh, anime is all tentacles and naughty stuff, but... I'm afraid, having checked Kobayashi out, I can see her reservations and totally understand them. And it needn't have been like this, because the premise could have been a lovely Yuri slice of life anime. And that's right, Yuri. The idea is that Kobayashi, whose first name is never mentioned as far as I can remember... Um, One day she gets drunk out in the woods and she helps a dragon who is badly wounded. And she and the dragon get absolutely plastered together. And during this girl bonding sesh, she asks the dragon, does she want to come and live with her? So the next day she's hung over and getting ready for work, opens her front door. And there is a frigging enormous green dragon with horns glaring at her. And she naturally freaks out. So the dragon decides to downsize and it becomes a cute blonde girl with fangs. So yeah, your standard monster girl type thing. And um, it turns out that this dragon is Toru 
and she wants to be her maid because while she was making her way to Kobayashi, she found out that maids in this world, so this world of course being Japan, um, dress a particular way. And of course, it's not a Downton Abbey type maid, but a cosplay maid cafe type maid. And being a massive maid otaku, did you know that was a thing? I didn't. Um, Kobayashi is perturbed and slightly annoyed, but Toru is so eager to help and to be her living maid that she doesn't have the heart to say no. And Toru is also madly in love with her and professes her love from this first meeting. And Kobayashi is all like, I'm not interested in women or dragons. And this did come in for um, some stick when the show came out. People were like, oh, that's so lesbophobic. But speaking as a lesbian, I don't actually mind because the way I see it, it's meant to be about her journey of discovering her sexuality and her love for Toru. And I personally think the problem here isn't so much that she's a woman, but she's a dragon because why wouldn't it be? Particularly since she's a dragon that keeps licking her shirts in order to keep them clean and keeps trying to get her to eat some of her tail, which can grow back incidentally. So the first episode, it's very standard magical girl fare, but with the twist that they're two girls. Because I've never been quite sure how to feel about the whole magical girl thing. Because on one hand, I really love the idea of two characters from completely different cultures, one of whom is possibly immortal or super powered or so forth, falling in love. But it also, when it's a man and a woman, has that added vibe, that connotation of, oh, my woman is even harder to understand than yours because she's really a witch or a fairy or we're not even the same species. We don't speak the same language. We're not on the same wavelength. And you just think, oh, for fuck's sake. And not to mention the fact that in every situation, in fact, even in situations where it's a magical boyfriend, like, say, for instance, Edward in Twilight, it's always the woman that's expected to change her ways. Like, if she's a magical girlfriend, she's got to fit into the human world and be more in keeping with what he wants, like um, Samantha in Bewitched. While if it's a girl then she is expected to embrace the world of the guy and give up her human life and culture to be with him. So either way, women always seem to lose in these storylines. So I like the fact that it's a woman in this situation and that Toru is an evil dragon too because they could have made her a kawaii fluffy dragon and although she does have the whole cute monster girl thing going on she also firmly believes that humans are inferior to her and loves looting pillaging slaughter etc in fact um a running gag in the first episode is her ringing up her friend Fafnir who is a dragon who's even more bloodthirsty and even more anti-human and his recommendation to anything she asks is kill them and when you later see Fafnir as a person he clearly models himself on Sebastian from Black Butler and in a brilliant casting gag they have him be being voiced by his voice actor. So I, I think that's great. And I love that Fafnir goes from being this uber scary 
kill them all dragon to being an otaku that spends his time hanging out with Takayaka, her, um, oh God, I've only just seen the episode. Why have I forgotten his name? Either way, um, Kobayashi's work husband, who is also a maid otaku, which is a hobby that I didn't even know existed, but apparently two people in this one workforce have it. What are the odds? And um, yeah, Toru meets Kobayashi's workmate and is not impressed because she naturally thinks that he's putting the moves on her and threatens him. But they eventually bombed on taking the piss out of her outfit because, of course, it's not a real maid costume. It's cosplay. So this is all the first episode and I was willing to settle down and enjoy it and think, okay, maybe the animation style is possibly a bit babyish, but it's in keeping with the feel-good essence of the show. And I was looking forward to watching many more episodes of this, but unfortunately other elements started popping up that I found that I just couldn't ignore. Like, Quite early on, uh, another dragon, a little girl called Kana, appears. And um, Kana starts going to school because she needs to fit in with the human world. And obviously, little girls her age go to school. And um, she quickly makes friends with another little girl called Saikoa. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And Saikoa is head over heels in love with her. And right Okay, I was a little girl who was in love with other girls too. Fine, no problem with that. But I don't like the way that this is presented because I felt like it sexualized them. Because at one point, you had them kind of in each other, in them, Psycho's room, kind of clambering over each other. And it just made me feel really icky. Like, should I be watching this? Should they be doing this with two children? Because there is a way to show gay little kids without sexualizing them. I mean, hell of a boss manages it with um, the circus when Stolas and Blitz meet for the first time. So it is perfectly possible to show a little kid having a crush on another little kid without it getting all icky and weird. But I thought maybe that was just me not being used to seeing kids of the same gender fancying each other. So I just put that down to prudishness. But then something else came up that I just could not overlook no matter what. So one of her other friends, Toru's other friends, is Lukawa, who is seemingly the personification of Ketsukotl, the Aztec god. But instead of looking how he traditionally looks, he is a bosomy, gorgeous woman with horns. And this wouldn't be so bad if Lukawa didn't have some illegal and frankly disgusting hobbies. Basically, she appears to a little lad called Shota. The fact his name, his name makes a joke of this. So Shotacon is basically finding little boys attractive. So that is why he's named that. So she manifests herself to Shota and then just won't stop sexually harassing him, jumping out on him naked, wobbling her boobs in her fa- his face. It, it's just revolting and it's played for laughs. And I was just thinking, how the fuck is this supposed to be funny? If this was a guy hitting on a little girl, would this be funny? And it's not funny anyway, but you know what I mean? How do they think they can get away with it in this show? And it just upset me because... 
It's just so horrible. And it took what could have been a nice little show about a girl falling in love with a dragon and turned it into this horrendous, perverse mess. And it looks like I was quite right to make that judgment call because apparently in the second show, it's even worse. Not only do they amp up Luca's paedophilia and they're all like, ooh, she's such a card. And the fact that Kobayashi doesn't seem to have a problem with it when you should think she'll be going, police, and <laughs> the, the fact that she's a human in the situation. I mean, all the dragons seem to think that this is perfectly normal, but no, it's not normal. And as a human, she should know that. But um, there's also another dragon who is uh, another kid. I mean, okay, she's in her teens. She's like 13, 14, but still below the age of consent, below the age where anybody should be looking at her like that. And it gives her this absolutely humongous, massive pair of tits. It's like, what the hell are you even doing? This is just gross. And I thought, no, I'm sorry. I, I can't I can't put up with this. I, I don't care that the romance between these two may be promising and that the humour when it shows up is funny. I can't sit by and watch this kind of thing because it makes me sick to my stomach. And I can't believe that this was even made. It's just repellent. Ugh. So, okay, that is why I noped out of Miss Kobayashi really early on. I gather that it's got its fans and there's even a spin-off for Fafnir, but no, I could not sit through any more of that in all conscience and I can't understand anybody else doing it either. And so more recently, I checked out Burn the Witch because again, it had a premise that I thought sounded solid and it involves dragons. So we have um, Ninny and Noel, who are witches working in reverse London, because there's the ordinary London, although it's not proper London, it's the London that you get in TV shows and in films where nothing is where it should be, but it's whatever's most aesthetically pleasing and meets the plot and so on. Anyway, there's real London where dragons are invisible and not seen by the population. And then you have reverse London, which is where Ninny and Noel round up dragons for their job. And they're also having to look after this complete and utter loser called Bolgo, who is a dragon clad, which means that dragons are irresistibly attracted to him. And um, they put... Yeah, there's a price on his head, basically. They want people to kill him, which I personally would not blame him for. Because for the first trope that made me think, oh, no, really? When it came about, Bulgo is a humongous perv in the whole let me see your panties type way that you get everywhere in anime. And I just think, why would they waste their time protecting this character? Just let him die. Because he has this one-sided fixation with Noel and just follows her everywhere. And um, he has a little dragon dog. Yeah, it's a, it looks like a cute dog that can sprout your wings and fly around. And it has picked up his obsession with seeing her panties. 
and you just think, what the fuck? It, it, it just, this happens within a f- couple of minutes of the show starting and you think, what? Like, you had one job. You had one male character who could behave normally, who could have a nice crush on a girl, but no, you had to make it weird. And also, he just reminds me of Jean in um, Ruby, which doesn't help. You know how you get that guy in the anime, how you have everybody else is some cool kick-ass heroine who's great at their job, who knows what they're doing. And then, of course, there's this stupid load of a guy who is often a love interest, inexplicably. All he does is get into trouble, upset other people, just get in the way, but he's there. He's meant to be the heart of the group. But in this case, the heart, (laughs) they can do without it. They can just chuck it out. And I liked the idea of reverse London, but I didn't understand why it kind of made a nonsense of its own premise, if you see what I mean. Because you would think that in the world of, say, because this is a set, apparently set in the same universe as Bleach, which I didn't know anything about because I've never watched Bleach. And I don't know whether it's very heavily based on Bleach or whether it is just some random spin-off that you don't need. But I, I just thought this could be a really good isekai anime where you have somebody going from the ordinary world to have adventures being a dragon hunter. That's fine. I like the sound of that. That makes sense. Or even somebody who's fed up with being a dragon hunter, escaping into the normal world and trying to make a living there. But the thing that I just could not understand about this, and it's set up in the very opening as well, so it's not throwaway, even though it makes no damn sense to me, is Ninny, in the real world, is a member of a successful girl band. And they're following her around town because one of the other members of the girl band has quit. And far from being a random detail, this comes to be important later. And she says, fairy tales are such bullshit. And at first she thinks, oh, this is going to be a subversive take on fairy tales. I might like this. But after that, it just doesn't do anything with it because I just could not for the life of me think, work out if you have a successful life as a pop star in real London then why the fuck would you go and work for peanuts in a job that you hate in the other world I mean okay she doesn't seem to like being a pop star either and this is what bothers me about this show. None of it makes any sense. It just feels like they cut out a few set anime types and just stuck them in a storyline for the heck of it. Like with Ninny and Noel, they are... Ninny is like your spiky blonde dickhead, only a girl for a change. She and Noel just spend all their time arguing with each other because she's all impetuous and angry and just can't do anything quietly or politely while Noel is super stoic because they look like they should be in a Yuri, the lively blonde one and the tall, gorgeous, 
low key one. And maybe it would have worked better if it was a Yuri, but it isn't it? It just has them having an odd workmate dynamic, which I wouldn't mind if they had any chemistry in any way of any sort, if you believe them as friends, but they don't. It's just them bitching at each other all the time and it's not entertaining. Like if you have characters who <laughs> the joke is that they're meant to not work properly together at all, then that could be great. But I did not get it with these two. I just felt like they hated each other and I didn't see why we would be interested in them or their relationship or their work, which is a complete waste of a potentially fun and intriguing premise. And now this is the problematic bit. I mean, it's not quite in the same ballpark as Miss Kobayashi, but it is a personal bugbear of mine. So the reason why, well, it's not even that. That's not the reason why. Ah, okay. So the bandmate that um, Ninny was being interviewed about is a girl called Macy who is in love with her. And the way she announces her love for her is um, she throws a desk at Noel for being a girl who talks to her. That is it. And this was made in 2018. So you're like, oh, great. It's another instance of the psycho lesbian trope in 2018. And I she she isn't even in a relationship with Ninny. Ninny's like, oh, she's kind of in love with me. And it's like, oh, that's great. I mean, I suppose in all fairness, um, she could, Ninny could possibly be a lesbian and in denial because she certainly doesn't show any attraction to any blokes that we meet. But then the blokes that we meet in the course of the story are idiots. So who knows? But I just... And... The problem is, Macy is maybe the most interesting character in there because they gave her what was quite a well-thought-out backstory. So while she's living in real London, she comes across a dragon that only she can see, which I think is an amazing metaphor for somebody being a lesbian and not realising it. But no, it's not. It's an actual dragon. And she takes this dragon home and tends to it. And it grows from being kind of like a cute little chibi, glowy dragon to something that looks like an extra from the Muppets to finally a humongous crowned bird-like thing. So throughout the course of the story, it keeps changing because it turns out to be a mythical, well, all dragons are mythical, but you know what I mean. Um, in this universe, it's a special type of dragon called a Cinderella, and she just happened to call it Ellie. What are the odds? But she quit the group because she only was in it in the first place because she was in love with Ninny. God knows why. Bad taste, I guess. And she said, um, I was only in the group because I was tall and looked good in makeup. And again, this spoke to me, just thinking that she, it sounded like she was having to put on a pose of being fam and be somebody that she wasn't and that she only found herself when she was tending to her dragon. So all of this was way more interesting 
than what was going on with Belgo. I just thought, why couldn't we have more of that? And I don't know whether it was because it was a movie, or rather three episodes cobbled together into a movie, but just something about it seemed off, like it was a pilot for a series that never got made, because you, it just made these assumptions that you would know who all these people were, that you would know what the world was, that you would be interested. Like there's a guy in it called Bruno Bangknife that is treated like a big deal. And he does have quite this cool ability to be able to um, cast spells by spray painting them on the sky. I liked that. But I just felt like there was a missing episode where we had the setup where everybody got introduced and where we were told more about it. But instead, it just felt like we were just dumped in the middle and were expected to catch up. And although that can sometimes work with a novel, like particularly if you're in a dystopia, say, it doesn't work here. You, you can't bandy around these strange concepts of a fantasy kingdom and not explain them properly. And it, it just led, just resulted in a very shallow experience to my way of thinking because it looked great. The score that I can recall was good, but because it had done so little background work and the characters themselves just felt like they could have just strolled in from any other fantasy anime. I was just like, ugh. Because at least with Miss Kobayashi, they established the characters and gave them something that made them stand out. But here there wasn't anything. It was just like, oh yeah, these are the characters that you would get in this particular situation and there's no need to flesh them out. And I thought, okay, I've spent an hour or so of my life watching this, these people and I don't really fancy watching any more, to, to be honest. So I can't see this getting a follow-up. I mean, there's apparently... Um, because the original manga was a one-shot and I think they're making it into a series, but I don't see it working. Not unless there's extensive rewrites first. And there was a bit at the end that really hacked me off. So after spending the entire thing treating Balgo like the plague, which he deserves being a creeper, you suddenly have Noelle hugging him for no reason. And even if she's stressed and worn out and tired or whatever, or glad he's alive, like though I can't work out why that would be, but there you go. So, and it just makes it look like those two are now going to be an item. And you think, why? Why are you rewarding this guy for his shitty behavior? Because, um, Macy is now a dragon clad, which means that she is now Ninny's responsibility. So I don't know whether those two are supposed to get together or whether you're going to have Ninny doing the whole, oh no, a woman fancies me, oh God, yuck, 
that you still get in far too much media. I mean, possibly they might become <laughs> very vitriolic girlfriends. I don't know, but I'm simply not that interested, I'm afraid. Um, I, I just felt that there, there wasn't enough story. There wasn't enough of a payoff. And <laughs> it wasted dragons again. And that is an unforgivable sin in my book. <laughs> Next time is going to be the first anniversary episode because we've been doing Not Just Tentacles for a whole year. So to celebrate, Ruth and I are going to be cracking open the only Hell of a Boss episode that could be counted as a Christmas-themed one, Cherub. And we're looking forward to it. So see you there. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And you can also follow us on social media. We are at TentaclesNot on Twitter and on Facebook. Our page is called Not Just Tentacles. Speak to you soon. Bye.